Welcome into a Monday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, how much can the Falcons improve their running game? Do we really want DeAndre Ayton here? And the Braves have first world problems right now. We'll talk about all of that. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into this Monday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser, find our page, subscribe, leave us a comment. We are also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Find us there, leave us a five-star review, and you can follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So Falcons take another step last week as OTAs wrap up. Now we get into mandatory mini camps. And about a week or so ago, we talked about the league average in passing in the NFL and where and can the Falcons be and all of that. Let's take a look at running the football because obviously Arthur Smith coming from a team and a franchise that was a very heavy run first offense. Now, that makes things a lot easier when you have Derrick Henry, a 2,000-yard running back, you know, in the backfield. And then you've got guys like Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin that were all there when they had an outstanding offensive line, probably a top five offensive line in the NFL. That makes life a lot easier when it comes to running the football. So last year, when you look at some of the stats on the Atlanta Falcons, as far as rushing attempts go, the Falcons were 29th in the NFL in rushing attempts. Only three teams ran the ball less times than the Falcons. The Falcons were 31st in rushing yards. Only one team, the Texans, ran it for less yards than the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons were 27th in rushing touchdowns. So only five teams had fewer rushing touchdowns than the Falcons. And then one of the big ones is the Falcons were 30th in the NFL in yards per attempt at 3.7 yards. Now, to give you an idea, the Falcons ran it 393 times last year for 1,451 yards. The average team in the league last year, average team, ran it 453 times for 1,959 yards and 16 touchdowns. So you can see that the Falcons were below average in all of those statistics. So can the Falcons running game improve? Well, one is I do think that that 393 number is going to come up and get closer to the 453 mark. In fact, it might even surpass that. Not really a surprise when you think about the quarterback play. You don't have Matt Ryan. And again, this offense was always going to be a heavy throw first offense as long as Matt Ryan was here. If you have Matt and Julio and Ridley and this and that and bop, 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 you're always going to throw the football a lot more. You have to run the football effectively, but you're always going to throw it a lot more. So I expect the rushing attempts to go up. The big question in my mind will be not so much the yards, but the yards per attempt. When you're averaging less than four yards an attempt in the NFL, and just again, take the average in the NFL, 4.3 yards. Even if the Falcons go from what they ran last year, 393, up to the 453, you're talking about almost 300 extra yards of offense 
at the end of the day in the running game, just running it at league average distance, 4.3 yards per attempt compared to the 3.7 uh, that the Falcons ran. Can the Falcons be better on their offensive line to do that? I don't know. That's the $64 million question, isn't it? And that's why the offensive line battle is going to be such a big, big storyline going into training camp and watching through training camp and what they do. We expect them to make some moves on the line of scrimmage. Arthur Smith already said what last week at OTA he said, Hey, we're not done with our roster and, and we're evaluating wide receivers now so that we can look to add guys in the trenches when we get toward training camp. So I expect the Falcons just by attrition to be a better run team. So I expect their attempts to go up. The yards will most likely go up. But how much more can the Falcons improve in the yards per attempt? And I think that's the key. If you're not running it for at least four yards a, a carry in the NFL, you're really not going to be able to run the football effectively. And, and I've talked about this a lot over the years about how our philosophy at times and our inability to run the football has been on third and two, which should open up a lot of your playbook. There's a whole cavalcade of plays that you should be able to run and call, but we haven't been able to do that. It's been shotgun, five wide, empty backfield, because you can't trust your running game. And you can't trust, with all due respect, the guys opening up holes out front. And when you look at where this group of running backs is going to be come training camp, if we think about it like this, you probably carry at least four running backs and a fullback, right? Okay, well, Keith Smith's your fullback, so you know that's pretty well said. And if you've got four additional running backs, well, they just moved Avery Williams, the running back, so he's going to make the team. Tyler Algier, the kid that they drafted out of BYU, he's going to make the team. He's a draft pick. He's going to make the team. And Cordell Patterson is going to make the team as a running back. So you might only have one spot that you're talking about. And is that Williams or the other kid they signed from Tennessee or Kadri Allison? Okay, well, with all due respect, I mean, those aren't exactly – you know, that's not exactly Derrick Henry and Adrian Peterson and guys like that in their prime. We're talking about, you know, ham and eggers and, you know, humanoids and, you know, jamokes that are, you know, competing for that one spot. So I look at the depth of of running back, excuse me, for the Falcons. And I say, oh, OK, I mean, how much more are you going to push, you know, uh, a Cordell Patterson? in this offense. You know, he's not a guy that can run it 250 times in an NFL season. He's just not built like that. If you, you run him 250 times or more in an NFL season, he'll be broken in half. It's not what he's designed to do. He's designed to be an alternative. And yes, he led this team in carries last year, but that doesn't make it a good thing. I understand the year that they got out of him, but he gives you a lot more dimension in your passing game as a running back coming out than necessarily he lines up and runs it between the tackles or tries to get around to the outside. It's just not the game that you want to play with Cordero Patterson. So, again, I, I think that just attrition tells you that they won't throw it as often. Um, they're not going to throw it close to 600 times with these quarterbacks. They're going to have to power run the football, and that's what they want to describe their running game is, is power run. but how are you going to do that with your offensive line? And this is where it becomes critical that you have to get that evaluation process right. That's where you can't play any favorites, and that's why I don't care if Jalen Mayfield is a third-round draft pick. 
if he can't handle the job, you have to replace him. I don't care if Matt Hennessy was or was not drafted by this. You know, he wasn't drafted by this regime, but he is a draft pick. I don't care if he can't handle it. You got to you do something with him. If Kayla McGarry is not capable to play right tackle and he's your first round draft pick from a few years ago, and I understand this regime didn't draft him, but even as a first rounder, if that means he can't start, then he can't start. Because you're not going to change up the dynamic of your running game until you get that offensive line fixed. And the Falcons, look, you hope Tyler Algier is a guy who can come in and do some things. But again, you're asking a rookie running back to, to carry the load. That's not going to happen. You know, that that's not going to be reality of, of what this team is going to do. Patterson's going to have to be your lead guy. You hope that Williams or Allison or somebody shakes out, you know, in that mix. Avery Williams is not going to line up in the eye behind Keith Smith and run it through. Avery Williams is being designated as a running back so that they can clear up another spot in their cornerback room. So that you don't have to trot him out of cornerback, but you know he's your punt and kick returner. So you don't have a lot of competition at running back, with all due respect. I mean, yeah, you got one spot that you got to figure out and find, but it ain't like you've got all pros lined up to take that spot. And unless they fix their offensive line, I don't know how much more that 3.7 is going to change. You know, I don't think that they are suddenly going to become a team that you can look at and they're going to average four and a half yards a carry. And that's, you know, when you when you talk about the elite rushing teams in the NFL, there are a handful of teams that, well, three, I guess, that run it for over five yards a carry. But, you know, there's a group of teams that when you start talking about, you know, four and a half or more yards a carry, you know, that gets you in the top 10. If you can be a four and a half yards per carry offense, in the NFL, you'll be a top 10 running team. But I think the Falcons have a lot of questions. And this, again, goes back to what is our offensive identity? Well, they want to be a power running team. They got a lot of things they got to fix up front first. All right, when we get back, do we want DeAndre Ayton here for the Hawks? And no, let's talk about that next. Hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I am John Chuckery, and we ask you to head over to YouTube.com. Find Locked On Sports Atlanta in your search browser. Subscribe to our page there. 1,700 folks, by the way. Thank you so much for growing this page so quickly. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about the show. We are free and available on all of your podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Odyssey, all of your favorites. Leave us a five-star review, please, if you would there. And follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. So the Hawks rumor mill, God, I am so ready for Hawks off. I, I really am excited and want to get to Hawks off season. Like I, I'm enjoying the NBA finals, some good games, but brother, brother, I'm ready to get this NBA finals over and get me toward the new league year draft for it. I want to see what the Hawks are going to do. So every player in the history of the NBA has now been linked to the Atlanta Hawks. But one of the newer rumors, and this is maybe not so much new, but it's being spoken out loud a lot more. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report on his NBA show podcast the other day talked about that the Hawks are now in the mix or want to be in the mix for star player for the Phoenix Suns, um, DeAndre Ayton. Now, remember, Aiton is a restricted free agent coming up this season. There has been a lot of chatter about whether or not he's going to stay in Phoenix and they're going to let him go and this, that, and the other, right? He had some issues with Monty Williams. Uh, remember when he didn't play very much, you know, at the end of the um, uh, that series against Dallas and uh, Monty Williams was asked about, you know, why wasn't Aiton in there more? It's an internal issue, right? 
So here's what Jake Fisher had to say. Quote, Atlanta is definitely another team that I've heard for Aiton. There's one person I talk to pretty consistently who's like convinced Aiton is the guy that Atlanta wants. <sighs> okay. Um, Aiton, obviously a center, averaged 17.2 points per game last year, 10.2 rebounds a game, 63.4% shooting. Now, let's be realistic, okay? Not your phony pie in the sky and all this kind of stuff. If the Suns are going to give up Aiton, it's going to be a sign and trade. <laughs> They're not just denying a contract on Aiton and not getting something for him. You're not letting a guy like that walk out of your franchise that's been one of your cornerstone pieces to you being, you know, one of the most successful regular season teams the last couple of seasons. And obviously a couple of years ago, they were in the NBA final. You're not letting a guy like that walk. Now, me personally, I'm just going to say this right up front. My personal opinion is that at the end of the day, Aiton's not going anywhere. Why, why would the Phoenix Suns want to give up on a guy? I, again, yeah, there might be some issues in this, that, and the other, but with all due respect, he fits what they want to do. Chris Paul's another just one- or two-year player at this point. So what are you going to do? You're going to let Devin Booker just be on an island by himself? Paul retires in a couple of years. Aiton's already gone. What are you going to do? Hope that you draft well and get back. You don't want to waste Booker's career, so you still want to keep a core of guys in place. I don't think personally that Aiton is going to go anywhere. But if Aiton is going to be in a sign and trade, you're talking about a four-year, $131 million deal. Because guess what they want? They want max money. And, a, and another team can offer them four for 131. Somebody's going to offer him max money because that's what every guy does in the in the NBA. With all the respect, you come off a hot franchise and be a hot commodity, everybody's going to make some kind of ridiculous offer. So four for 131. So what am I getting? I'm getting a quote-unquote troubled center. Don't, don't I already have a center that's competent and good enough to do what I need to do? I mean, Aiden doesn't make his own shot. Aiton's got to have a lot of help and support. So what is the, what's the big difference? I mean, you can like Aiton maybe because he's a little bit younger and this and the other than a Clint Capella. But if I'm trying to win now, with all due respect, DeAndre Aiton doesn't change up the dynamic of what my team is. And then, oh yeah, I have to pay him, oh, I don't know, a dump truck full of money. Oh yeah, and I have to give up assets. Because with all due respect, okay, the Phoenix Suns aren't going to trade DeAndre Ayton for, you know, Johnny come lately, Jimmy down at the diner, you know, and, and Phil sitting in the coffee shop. You have to give up some assets. And if you're paying a guy four for 131, we'll do the math. That's a $30 million a year player. Okay. So you got to get your salaries kind of to match and all that kind of stuff. Would they want bogey? Would they want Gallinari? Freak. They probably want Collins. Why would they want not want another frontline player to go with their team? So I have to way overpay him and give him, I have to pay him more than my current center, pay him max, trade my assets for a 17 and 10 guy that replaces my 14 and 14 guy. Help me understand the math and all this. And I understand Aiton's young, hot name, it's cool, it's hip, or this, that, and the other. Okay. And I'm all for adding star talent. But we go back to this. This is almost change for the sake of saying that we tweaked and changed our roster. 
and we pay a lot of money to one guy. We go in the luxury tax with a guy. We trade some of our assets. But did our basketball team get that much better? I mean, Aiton is not the, I mean, he's not Rudy Gobert defensively. He's not an, not an elite, you know, rim protector. And I'm not saying Capella is, but it, it's not like Aiton just trumps him so at least with at least with Rudy Gobert, you could say, okay, he's a first team all defense, um, defensive player of the year candidate. So he's going to be better than pretty much any other big guy I can put in there. Can't say that with Aiden. And offensively, he's no more or less limited than what Clint Capella is. And if you look last year, right, the 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 teammate combo in the league that combined for the most field goals made was Capella and Trey Young. So again, I I don't understand like where Capella is a problem. I'm not saying I won't trade Clint Capella if I'm getting a super megastar back. But Aiton to me just is, you know, it's finally kind of clicking. He's in the right system. He might have the right coach. I mean, what happens if you come here? Let, let's say he does have the internal problems. What if he comes here outside the organization that he's known his entire career? and comes here, and it doesn't work or doesn't click. And he gets in a doghouse or whatever like that. Now I've got a max player that's not happy. And you could say, well, you know, Chickory, he may come in here and be, he might. But again, what I'm saying and what you're saying is throwing darts at the wall. The fact that we have to have the discussion about, are there any internal issues with DeAndre Ayton, puts up that red flag. Because we're talking about, I got to pay him max money and give up assets. So <laughs> if I'm going to pay max and give up assets, I, we darn sure better be ready that he's going to come in here and make a big difference. I better know for sure that it's 100% that he ain't going to cause a riff, ain't going to cause problems. My coach and him are not going to have issues. And he's going to come in here and transform my franchise. I mean, that's what max guys are. You know, if you're going to max guys out for the big money, they have to come in and transform your franchise. I, I don't see that in DeAndre Ayton. I, I don't see him as a guy that transform your franchise. And again, like I said at the very beginning of this, I think at the end of the day, he's going to stay in Phoenix. It would make more sense for him to stay in Phoenix than it would be to, to move somewhere else. And by the way, you know, the Suns can offer him the, you know, additional year and the more money, right? The bird rights. The Suns can offer him up to $177 million, okay? So let's say they don't offer him all 177. Even at $150 million, that's $19 million more than another team can sign him for. So even if they don't want to max him out at 177, let's say they go 150 Okay, that's still almost $20 million more than what the Hawks or any other franchise could offer him. Why would he leave a good situation to take less money just to get out of Phoenix? If he's that troubled, he should be demanding a trade in this, any other. But you haven't heard that from him. I'm not, I, I mean, I like DeAndre Ayton. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Atlanta Hawks to try to make a move on him, especially Max and trade and all that kind of stuff. All right, when we get back, the Braves have first world problems right now. 
Talk about that next. Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page. 1,700 subscribers strong. Thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. When you find it, put that in your search browser. Find it and then subscribe. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. We can also be found on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. When you find us, leave us a five-star review. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH. Three one six. What's the old uh, song lyric? The Braves have 99 problems and their lineup ain't one. You know, one of the things about the Atlanta Braves, oh, by the way, too, let me just, and I don't, you know, mean to, to pat myself on the back or brag or anything like that. And when I told you about they got a hit with runners in scoring position, okay, first 50 games of the year, 231 with runners in scoring position on this current 11-game winning streak. Shh, don't tell anybody about 327. So I'm not saying I told you so. I would never do that. You'll, one thing you'll learn about me is I wouldn't pat myself on the back, tell you I told you so. Remember when I told you to circle June 2nd on your calendar? Remember that? Remember when I said, hey, go in there and circle June 2nd on your calendar, and it's June 13th right now, and I told you at June 17th, we'll look back over this thing, and could the Braves be 11-2, and minimum 10-3, and peak at 11-2? and They might be 13-0 and when all is said and done. And I told you about the fact that they should get four to six. Anyway, again, I'm not – I don't want to pat myself on the back or anything like that because my arm is kind of sore. My shoulder's a little tired. But anyway, the Braves right now have first world problems. Think back a month ago to when we were trying to figure out Olsen struggling, Ozzy struggling, Dansby was okay, uh, Riley struggling, Ozuna struggling, Duvall in a funk. The bench hadn't done a whole lot. Darno was okay. Now this lineup has caught fire, and now this team is hitting and playing like we expected them to, and now they're playing like a World Series champion. It's caused the Braves to have a great problem. They have too many good bats right now, and they have too many guys. Darno, Olsen, Ozzie, Dansby, Riley, Ozuna, Duvall, Ronnie, Contreras, Michael Harris. Oh, yeah, don't forget that they have guys like Eddie Rosario that's out and hurt right now. And <laughs> kind of funny, you know, Rosario obviously had the eye surgery and things like that. We don't get any sort of timetable whatsoever about his return because, be honest with you, while it'd be nice to have another left-handed bat, Braves really aren't hurting right now for offense. And this is a first-world problem to have if you're the Atlanta Braves, is that your manager has to figure out night-to-night -night who to put in, who to sit, who to keep in. And I say this because, you know, when you have this many guys, this is an ideal situation because you do have some guys that you want to try to give a night off. Now, look, I don't want Ronnie's bat out of the lineup, but, you know, Duvall can sit a night. Ozuna can sit a night if you need to. A guy can sit a night here. We saw Ozzy sit. That's a good thing for this team. You know, I, I do think that having enough guys that you can mix and match. Look, I said this a week or so ago or a couple of weeks ago now. Hey, I want to see Contreras catch on a regular basis. Well, they have a situation where they have two guys that they can feel comfortable about playing at catcher and even DH Contreras because his bat is so good that you can give one of the other guys a night off and your lineup doesn't suffer. You know, I mean, with all due respect to you know, Heredi and RC. And those guys have done some nice things. If you look at some of the numbers, you know, with, with Heredi and RC, you know, RC is hitting almost 300 this year. And those guys have all had some big hits, you know, 
you don't you don't feel as good about having to put some of those guys in the lineup as you do say, okay, well, I can catch Contreras tonight, or I can let Contreras be a DH, or I can do this, or I can do that. Because you do have some guys that you feel like you pretty much can keep in your lineup every day. Right now, Michael Harris plays every single day. With all due respect, he's a 22-year-old kid who is just up in the big leagues. Ain't no reason to sit him right now. And if Ronnie is available to play in the field, you play him every day in right field if you can. If he's not, you make sure you DH him. So you know he's one of the bats that stays in your lineup. Outside of that, you got guys that you can shuttle in. You want to give Olsen a day off? Who, To be honest with you, I mean, Olsen probably is an everyday player himself. But you do have a lot of flexibility right now in this lineup. And that's the great thing for the Atlanta Braves is you don't have to overwork your catcher. You don't have to overwork your left fielder. You know, that was one of the things about Duvall that I was saying is like, and give the guy a day off. I mean, I think I think definitely part of his offensive struggles were tied into he's having to play center field. He's being a starting center fielder every single day. Every day you're starting Adam Duvall in center field. And he's a 33-year-old guy that, say what you will about, you know, what that means in the real world, in baseball world, that is old. And asking him to play day in, day out, play a full game, is going to wear on you. And I think you saw the effects at, at, you know, him being in the lineup. So for Snicker to be able to have guys that they can mix and match in this lineup and be able to sit a guy here and give a day a guy a day off here, that's only going to pay dividends, dividends, excuse me, in the long run. When we start talking about getting to September, October, that's where those dividends are going to pay off is you were able to give guys a day off here and a day off there without sacrificing. I mean, with all due respect to Manny Pena, okay, you know, he's the ultimate just punching Judy, just, you know, can of corn hitting kind of guy. Yeah, you, you put him you put him in to sub for Darno or Contreras, you know, he's got an O for four stamped on his forehead. You know, by and large, you're not going to get a whole lot of them. So, you know, you're going to have a spot in your lineup that looks like it's a, you know, the, the hole of a donut, you know, except that it's the size of the hole, a, a hole in a tire. Now you look at catcher and you say, okay, doesn't matter if I have Contreras or Darno back there, pff, I ain't losing anything offensively. And, Contreras isn't Mike Piazza behind home plate. I mean, it's not like that, you know, it's not like that he's dropping every pitch or anything like that. You're okay. I mean, is Pena a better defense coach? Yeah, but you don't have to sacrifice his bat. And if I got to play Ozuna or Duvall or somebody in left field, okay, I don't have to give up much of anything there. All right? And I, and I think that's the great thing about the Atlanta Braves now is so many different guys are catching fire. So many different guys are are hot right now that it's given Snit a lot of flexibility. And again, it's a first world problem. I have too many good bats to get into my lineup. And I don't have to sit anybody for an extended period of time. I don't have to necessarily play somebody, overplay them or overwork them. Like Duvall, I don't have to overwork him now. You know, I've got Ronnie pretty much playing right field every day. And I've got Michael Harris, who is going to play center field every day. So I can either DH Duvall, I can play him in left, I can give him a day off, and I don't feel like I lose a whole lot. Okay, I, I sit him for a day, I'll let Ozuna, you know, play left field, and I'll let Contreras DH. Or I'll let Duvall DH, and I can play Ozuna in left, or whatever. Whatever combination, 
it's a good thing for Snitker to have right now and fill up that lineup card. These are fun times for the Atlanta Braves. And by the way, this is not going to end anytime soon for the Braves. They have three with the god-awful Nats, and then they play three with the, the horrible Chicago Cubs before they get the Frisco, Dodger, you know, Philadelphia group out of all of there. So Braves have some first-world problems as they're 11 games in a row now, and don't look to end that anytime soon. All right, we thank you so much for being a part of this show today. Thanks for making the Hitting Hard with John Chuckery your first listen. Make sure you make my friends Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste your second listen. ATL Day Ones is the podcast you want to listen to, talking about the heart of all things in the city of Atlanta, all of your different franchises here. They're always having a great conversation over there. They are free and available on our YouTube page, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Subscribe to that. You can also find them on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Odyssey, whatever. You give us a five-star review of all the podcasts there. And I want you to follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.